All right, here we go. And rolling sound. Quiet. Rolling. Ready. One point six seven. everybody, I'm your host, Erin Madden, and welcome to the first episode of So You Want to Be an Actor. This is an acting podcast focused on sharing actor stories and insights. You know, I believe there's something to be learned from everybody. I know we all have a unique experience and backstory, and so I thought that it would be good to sort of establish a platform to just interview actors, share my own acting journey, if you will, not to sound too corny, but um, as an actor myself and in the developmental stage, you know, I know that there are plenty of others sort of on that same ride as me, and yeah, I just wanted to be able to sort of share where I'm at in my career, the things I'm learning as I learn them and then talk to people who are farther along than me or, um, you know, maybe just getting started and sort of just discuss everything from, you know, headshots, reels, materials, different experiences on set in the pre-production process, anything that goes with sort of being an actor, acting classes, all of that. So you know, the more we know, the stronger we are, I think. And like I said, um, I'm just excited to sort of establish another platform for uh, knowledge sharing between us. And I'm really looking forward to this show. I'm excited about our first guest. Her name is Cece Simone. I know her from acting class. So I'm really excited to share my interview with Cece. I'm really happy with how the conversation went. I think it's a great sort of um, introductory episode for the podcast. But before we get into everything else, I'd just like to mention a few housekeeping things. Um, I'm happy to announce you can now subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can follow the Instagram at So You Want to Be an Actor Pod for new episodes, upcoming episodes. I don't presently have a website for the show, so Instagram is the best place to contact me, or you can reach out via email at So You Want to Be an Actor Pod at gmail.com. If you have any um, stories you'd like to share, questions, or you're interested in being a guest, I would really appreciate it if you do me a solid and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That helps the show gain visibility. Sharing with your friends on social media also really helps as well. So yeah, like I said, I've been pretty excited to start this for a while now. I've been sort of ruminating on it. I'm glad that I got some awesome guests to sort of kick things off and uh, just happy to to launch the show because I do think it is, you know, increasingly important for actors to have forums to talk shop sort of regardless of what stage their career is in. And like I said, share their unique insights and stories because finding success in this industry is extremely hard. Like, one of the hardest things you can ever attempt to do. And even in my relatively nascent acting career, there are many mistakes I've made, things I've overlooked, things I wish I could do differently, and I'm sure many others would say the same. So, you know, maybe I can help spare some others those pains by sharing these insights and, you know, maybe help cover some some blind spots for people or, or just provide some catharsis that these horrible things that we're going through as we try to find success in this industry, that we're not alone and that there are other people people that are sharing these exact same struggles, and especially in a time during coronavirus where we all feel incredibly isolated. So without further ado, let's get into some of the news that's been going on this week. I think the biggest news sort of that I've seen being talked about is that Bridgerton is expected to be renewed this week. It achieved almost I think 63 million views in about the first month that it was streaming, which is huge. 
And I'm really excited about that because I think it really sort of illuminates how important diversity in filmmaking and storytelling is and how important it is for audiences to sort of be able to see themselves reflected on screen. And the fact that, you know, diversity, while it's not something that I think should ever be tokenized or capitalized on in a inauthentic way because it is extremely important for so many reasons. But the fact that it sells, I mean, it it makes sense financially. When you reach a larger audience, more people are going to buy your product. And I think that's that's really sort of illuminated with Bridgerton. And so I'm excited to see that it's done so well. Um, I watched the first episode, but I haven't seen the rest of the series. I'm looking forward to watching it. And yeah, hoping it many successes to come. So other than than that, Warner Brothers announced that they will be releasing a Willy Wonka prequel in 2023 with David Heyman producing and Paul King directing. That'll be a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I guess a Wonka backstory, if you will, and no formal casting has been announced yet. Lastly, just sort of more on the business side of things, Warner Brothers marketing executive J.P. Richards was named the Apple TV head of film and marketing strategy. He'll be starting at Apple TV next month, which I think just sort of speaks to how much money and influence the new media and streaming platforms have and how they're just continuing to I think be increasingly aggressive, so to speak, in their outreach and in their marketing strategies. And, you know, I think we can all expect them to continue to expand. And with the expansion of those platforms, of course, I think that means more work for us as actors. There are more acting jobs now than ever before. Um, Of course, that also makes it a lot harder to make yourself competitive and acquire credits that are going to make your resume stand out in comparison with the competition. But yeah, just, you know something that we're going to to continue to see especially i think in the in the era of coronavirus when larger studios and um you know traditional film studios have been hit a little bit harder than the streaming platforms from what we've seen so those are just some things i wanted to mention that were going on in the industry this week so now i will go ahead and turn things over to cc i'm sure everybody's excited to hear what she has to say hey cc if you want to go ahead and just introduce yourself Hello. So my name is Cece Simone. I am from Atlanta, Georgia. I have been acting for actually 10 years, I realized, since high school. Um, I've, I was fortunate enough to go to a performing arts school and get some a good foundation for where I was headed. I'm a big animal lover. There's <laughs> a few things about me. Yeah, I'm just excited to be here and share what I've learned, kind of like Erin said, the mistakes I've made so that you guys don't have to make the same mistakes, things I wish that I knew. So I'm really excited to share that with you guys. So you went to a performing arts high school? I did. So it's called North Springs Charter High School. It's um, actually crazy enough. There's been a good bit of people, famous people that have come from my high school. Raven Simone went there. Oh, shit. Yeah, Justin Bieber went there. If you know... So someone more relatable, um, if you're familiar with Summer Walker, we went to high school together. She was someone that I knew, was around, we had the same friends, and um, she was always a singer, a really good singer, but she was actually there for dance. So it's interesting to kind of see how things have shifted. But um, yeah, I, I went to, it was actually an arts and science school. So we had Brainiacs, and then we also had the creatives all in one place. And I had a phenomenal acting teacher. He got his BFA from Valdosta State University. 
University, which is a really good school here in Georgia to get that from, um, kind of renowned. And yeah, I did four years of drama. And at the time, it really was just for fun. And it actually molded me, it became a real passion. And I knew by junior year that that's something I wanted to do outside of high school, like in my future. That's really cool. I didn't know that about you. So yeah, just to mention how Cece and I met, we met at the Elizabeth Messnick Acting Studio. We went through the Meisner program there together. And I think we moved to LA on basically the same day. Um, that was late August or 1st of September 2018, something like that. And the reason that I wanted to invite Cece on to be our first guest here on the pod is because she has a very classic sort of move to LA, no strings attached. Um, You know, she didn't really have anything here. She had to completely build a new life for herself. Um, So, you know, it's just sort of that classic actor story you hear, move to LA, try to be an actor, working as a bartender type background. And I know that a lot of our listeners are probably either um, considering doing the same or have actually done that as well themselves. So, um, you know, I figured that would be a really good sort of place to kick off the show. So with that said, I'll start off by asking you, Cece, do you have any news you'd like to share? Anything going on presently in your acting career that um, I guess you'd like to kick things off by talking about? I know that you are presently in Atlanta, but you live in L.A. So, yeah, any news or announcements you want to share with us? So I am in the stages of trying to find a talent agent and it would be nice to do so before pilot season begins in January. That's manifestation. Really hoping for that. Going back to the the Meisner program that Aaron was speaking on, I completed the first year of that. Didn't do the second year. Coronavirus happened. And so now I am I actually spent five months of this year back home in Atlanta, not acting. There wasn't much to do, um, really just quarantining with my family. But I decided to return to LA, which was really hard. Something about leaving felt permanent. And it was almost like because I left, I can't go back. Like that's just that's that. I, I left yeah. that. And so to return, I had to really have some humility. And now I am in the process of, as I said, trying to find a talent agent, getting my real materials together, just submitting to as many people as I can, because I feel like I've reached a point where I feel I've done enough before I put my foot in my mouth. You can never have too much training, but I feel like I'm at a point where I now just need to exercise everything I've learned. I think it's just time to put all of that into action, you know? And so came back to LA kind of on a whim, just like the first time. Um, I didn't have a place set up. I found a communal artist space online, something that I didn't even know existed. Oh yeah. I've seen a lot of those advertised on Craigslist. Yeah, I didn't know. So it reminds me a lot if anyone watches Good Trouble on Freeform, but it's a similar setup. It's just it's a communal space and they have a self-tape recording space. They have a theater. They have an art studio. So a bunch of amenities to help creatives. And you pretty much. So, so wild. I'm sleeping in a pod style bunk bed. Yeah, I've heard it's like that. And the rent is significantly cheaper if I'm correct because you don't actually get your own space. 
I considered doing that when I moved to LA too because I was uh, pretty desperate for housing and um, especially if you don't really have too much of a plan or anyone you know, it seems like a really good way to maybe get set up for like a month or two. You get to meet a lot of other artists and people involved in sort of the same scenes as you and you get a little bit discounted rent while you're looking for a job and all that. Yeah, I haven't done it, but it's definitely seems like something people can consider for getting on their feet in LA. Absolutely. Yep. It's a really good transitional space. And so that's where I've been since I came back. And it's actually been pretty inspiring to just be surrounded by other creatives. You know, you wake up, there's someone playing guitar, someone writing a song and being in that environment really pushes me on those days when I myself am just not up to it. So it's been nice. It's been interesting, but it's been really nice. And um, just trying to network and make friends with people who have agents already and you know see what they can do for me what I can do for them so I've enjoyed it yeah I'm sort of in the same boat I'm a huge fan of acting class I think everybody should be in class unless they're working so much that they actually can't be in class Um, I think that you can never really stop learning but at some point you reach a level where you're consistently performing in class you are you know consistently achieving what you're setting out to achieve in class you're getting the feedback that you want and you feel like you have a deliverable you feel like these skills that you've been working to build and this tool set and this instrument that you've been training to develop you feel like you can apply that to a professional setting where you can deliver work that you deserve to be paid for and I think that you know you reach that point and you kind of feel it you know that you are are ready to to put yourself out there but like for me I didn't feel comfortable I don't think beginning the, the representation seeking process until I knew that I would consistently be able to deliver but it took years I have been in acting class now for six years probably and you know I had acting teachers in the beginning that told me get right out there get right to it start auditioning and I did that and I made a fool of myself <laughs> and we'll get into that either later in this episode or maybe on another episode. But yeah, it was a mistake for me to put myself out there before I was ready. And so I'm glad that I took the time to really uh, work on my training and developing my craft and making sure that I was actually a professional ready to work in a professional capacity. And now I think I'm there. Yeah. So just jumping back to the beginning a little bit, Cece, you're from Atlanta and Atlanta is a giant production hub second to LA in the United States. So Why did you choose to move to L.A. when I'm sure there were also probably a lot of opportunities back home? Great question. So I always knew I wanted to live in California. Just a fun fact, I was actually born in California. My parents met in the Navy and then my mom moved to Georgia and that's where I was raised. And so when I would go back to California to visit my dad as a younger girl, I always was just like, I want to live here. This is where I want to be. Before I even wanted to be an actress, I knew I wanted to live in California. And so when I grew the passion for acting, it kind of just all came together. And what made me move, because I didn't intend to move, my plan was to stay in Atlanta, get credits, network, you know, have a decent resume and then take that to LA where I would be able to compete and actually get an agent. So I was in a improv class at the time and I felt like I just wasn't getting what I needed from that class. I feel like improv is to exercise what you already know. And so I wasn't learning how to act because I just didn't know enough to begin with. And there was a moment where I was just like, I have to, I need something more intensive. I need to like be taught how, yeah, I need to be taught from the scratch 
how to act. And so I started looking into classes. I was researching some of the actors that were on screen at the moment. And so that brings me to, I believe, circa 2016, when Purge Election Year, that movie premiered. And there was a young actress named Brittany on The Purge. And I loved her performance. And so I DM'd her on Instagram, kind of just, you know, letting her know how much I, I loved her performance, but also inquiring on where she got her training. And that's when she told me about Meisner and um, two-year conservatories. And so I was fascinated by the idea that I could get two years of schooling and not have to go to a university because school is just, college is not really my thing. It's not for everyone. Mm -hmm, And I fall into that. So I was like, wow, I can get two years of training and not be in a university. And so her, the class that she took was actually in New York. I looked into New York. I realized I could never do winters there. It just was way too cold. So I kept looking. And that's when I found that they had conservatories in LA, of course. And so Elizabeth Mesnick Acting Studio is, of course, the first one that came up on Google. And from there, I kind of became a stalker. I followed the Instagram. I followed some of her current students and I just fell in love with the class and the program. And I told myself like in a couple years, you know, I would relocate to LA and take that class. That's a really good idea as far as like how to get a good feel for a class goes, because there are so many classes. And if you don't really know anybody who can refer you to classes or you don't know where to start, you need to figure out which classes you're going to spend your money on. They're all expensive. Which ones are worth your time? I feel like that's a that's a really great way to sort of see what you can expect um, before jumping in and committing to a payment. And that's exactly what I did. And by the time I actually made it to meet any of the teachers or into the studio, I felt like I knew everyone already. And so now we get to the part, how did I end up in LA? I ended up in LA way sooner than I even planned to be. And it stemmed from, I got a settlement from an accident that I was in. And I was kind of like, you know, I have money. I'm just sitting on money. Like there's no better time than to go out there and do this because I have savings. And so I bought a one-way flight and my plan was to just kind of scout things out, really find a job. I didn't want to move without a job. So I got a flight. When I landed, Elizabeth Mesnick Acting Studio just so happened to have an open house. And I know it was for the moment because like I said, I stalked them. And so there was no promotion for it. It was the day before they kind of posted something. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm going to go to this. I went to that and decided that I was going to join the class right then and there. Just fell in love with it. I had kind of like a consultation with one of the teachers and I was weary myself. I was like, I don't know anyone. I don't even have a place yet. Why should I do this? And he reassured me that this is the reason I should start the class is because I don't know anyone and because I don't have that network and that, you know, my classmates will become my family and which they did. And so I happened to find I got a bartending position like the next day. Everything kind of just fell in line. And that's how I knew that it was meant to be. I got the job. I found an apartment, which I can't even do now. I can't even find an apartment. Finding an apartment in L.A. is just a special sort of hell. It really is. It really, truly is. And I found one. They approved me. It just all happened so fast. And so I was like, okay, this is this is meant to happen. And I think I started class like less than a month after I moved in, got the job and had that consultation. It was like it, it all just one after another, which might be the best way to do it. I'm learning. Yeah, that's really cool that it all sort of fell into place like that for you. Um, Something else you mentioned that I thought was really important was, you know, I sort of had the same experience with class and like Atlanta isn't even that much smaller of a market than LA, for example, you know, compared to some of the other markets in the US. But 
besides New York and LA and maybe Chicago, like I haven't lived in Chicago. I assume it probably has like some decent selection of acting classes, but um, outside of New York and LA, it is really hard to find good classes. Um, There are great studios. Shout out to the Sherrill Actors Studio in Dallas. That's where I studied for a while when I was there. I'm from Dallas. But as far as finding any niche classes, if you want classes that focus on your voice or your movement or Shakespeare, specific sort of like accent reduction or accent training, that sort of thing. It's really, really hard to find those sort of quality classes outside of the New York and LA markets. And I find that the classes that are in the smaller markets are a lot more uh, generalized and they're not as intensive, which is still good. You can still learn a lot in those classes. But when it comes to really getting specific with your training, I find um, those markets to be sort of limiting. Of course, one good positive that has come out of the pandemic, I will say, is that you do have a lot of those class options via Zoom now. And whether or not you like classes over uh, Zoom or not is, you know, I guess a matter of personal taste. And I know some people don't really like the idea of taking acting classes virtually. They work for some people or they don't work for others. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, that's one thing maybe acting studios will sort of stick with if they have the capacity going forward is providing that sort of training on a remote basis. But yeah, that was definitely something that really pushed me to move to LA as well, because I was looking for very niche, specific, targeted training to develop my craft and bring it to a professional level that I I was struggling to find in the smaller markets. Yes. Yes. So to touch on that, that was something I was a little frustrated with. So Atlanta is definitely like the new Hollywood. Um, there was a year where they filmed more productions in Atlanta than in Hollywood itself. However, they've created this system of casting in LA and then flying them to Atlanta and hiring, you know, the production crew and everyone here in Atlanta, but they still cast in LA. Yeah, that's how they do it. Um, Like the Dallas market works out of Albuquerque a lot and the New Mexico market, and they will cast a lot of actors in LA and New York when they're shooting series. They'll cast all of the series regulars in the uh, New York and LA markets, and then they'll cast the um, co-star roles usually and maybe some guest stars in the smaller markets. And then, yeah, the crew will be based locally in the smaller market as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something that for me, for me being from Atlanta, that was upsetting to watch. And it's something that I really want to change when I get to that point in my career where I can do so. But um, the level of training is still being developed in Atlanta, I would say. And that's why I felt the need to go to L.A. to get a good class. And I even had the mind to come back to Atlanta because, you know, I was like, well, I'll have L.A. training and I'll have this on my resume and I'll probably be ahead of the competition back home. And so that was really my plan originally. Yeah, on the flip side of that coin, there is the issue that when you come to a market like LA or New York and you don't have a lot of credits on your resume, you are competing with people who have been acting since they were children or even just people that started five years before you and have five times the number of co-star roles you have or guest star roles and just have to your resumes than you'll find in the local smaller markets. And so while there may be more opportunity for class at the same time, it's a lot more competitive. So you have to consider that trade off before you move. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So touching a little more on that note, 
How has getting work been for you in L.A.? You know, COVID aside, because we all know how things have gone under COVID, but uh, I know that you're not union and you don't currently have representation. So have you been self-submitting a lot? Have you been receiving auditions, callbacks, making relationships with casting directors or anything that's getting you in the room? Or how has the process of finding work been going prior to uh, the pandemic, of course? Yes. So prior to COVID, I actually enjoy how many platforms there are in LA to self-submit and how many jobs that they actually put on there as well. Actors Access, Casting Frontier, and LA Casting. There's so many. But self-submission has gone pretty well for me. When I moved out here, I self like my first month in LA in 2018, I submitted for an episode of Judge Hatchet. That was something that I was really proud that I got on my own. And I was able to be a plaintiff i got to be a plaintiff and that was like really exciting for me that's cool so feel free to not answer this if it's you know gauche or makes you uncomfortable but are you at the point that you are getting paid do you feel like you're a working paid to work actor you know i guess how how is it going in that regard like student films aside and shoestring budget projects that you're just doing to get some credits or some footage aside have you had any luck with actually like making strides towards being a working actor whose job is to act? I would say in my paid gigs, most of them are, are kind of like, you know, we just want to give you something. We don't want it to be free work. And so it isn't necessarily that you're being paid what you deserve or a lot, but I appreciate them just wanting to pay you for work. And so that's kind of how it's been. And then I've done lots of free work in order to build my resume. And that's something you have to be willing to do in your beginning stages. Yeah, hopefully not for too long. So um, have you just been submitting theatrically or have you booked any commercials as well? I actually am. I've been contemplating on maybe shifting to uh, more being more commercial focused because I've seen how quite a few people have gotten credits commercially and then that has helped them get theatrical representation. Yeah, I know if you do uh, book a commercial for a brand that's big and carries weight, that does also carry weight for a lot of theatrical agents because, you know, they see you as, you know, this huge company thought you were worthy of hiring. And so, you know, there's definitely a certain appeal in that. Mm-hmm. And so I recently started thinking, you know, maybe I could give that tactic a try. Why not? What do I have to lose? Yeah, just on that note, I uh, initially had really no interest in doing commercials. I'm not a big fan of like materialism, I guess. And so it it was hard for me to fathom just putting myself out there and attaching my name to these brands that maybe I don't actually have any loyalty to or interest in. And the way that I've sort of retrained myself to think about it is I see it as my way out of the service industry because commercials do pay really well if you book the right ones. Um, You can make a lot of money. You can support yourself on commercial acting. And, you know, I like bartending. It's fun, but I don't want to do it forever. And it takes time away from my acting focus. And so, you know, especially when you come home late at night and you're tired and you don't want to read your sides after you just worked an eight hour bar shift. So I think like ultimately, if I could book enough commercial work to support myself to where I didn't have to bartend anymore and, you know, was making all of my income from acting, even if it wasn't theatrical, even if it wasn't theoretically like where I want to be exactly, I would still consider that a big step forward. Uh, Isn't that the goal? Yeah, I think a lot of actors in my experience don't really give the commercial world, you know, maybe the consideration that it deserves. But on the other hand, I guess maybe here in L.A., a lot of people probably don't need the money. (laughs) But that's not me. So (laughs) 
So on the note of the struggle, um, what do you think has been like the most challenging thing for you as an actor? I know, you know, every actor has different challenges at different stages in their careers. And maybe you've had other challenges that were big for you that you've overcome. But currently and COVID aside, what have you been struggling with or like what's your current mountain to climb? So most recently, I think the hardest thing to overcome has been just the idea that I could, should, and deserve to be further along than I am. And and maybe even comparing a little bit, which is everyone will tell you not to do that, but we all fall victim. But kind of just looking at others who maybe started after me or have less training and seeing how they're here and I'm still unsigned. That has been the hardest thing to overcome yeah. recently. But it also is motivating. It pushes me to really buckle down and do what I need to do because I know that I could be booking if I were auditioning. Yeah, no, that's really hard. You know, especially in this business where it always feels like age is such a factor, even if it is less so than it, you know, maybe was even five years ago, certainly 10 or 20 years ago. And you and I are young. We've got runway ahead of us for sure. But it's always hard not to feel like you should be farther along when you're competing against people that have been racking up credits since they were five years old. Mm -hmm. And I like to believe that, you know, one of the beautiful things about acting is that there are characters reflecting every facet of the human experience and anyone at any age can do it. But definitely is discouraging when, you know, agents have age brackets and age requirements in regards to who they're willing to sign or a 20 year old with five credits is a lot different than a 30 year old with five credits and you are in two different ballgames. But there's power in recognizing that you are in two different ballgames and you have a lot of work to do to catch up to those people that have been doing it for longer than you. Mm -hmm. On a cheerier note, what do you think are your greatest successes to date so far? What are you most proud of having accomplished? <sighs> you know, I am most proud for getting through first year Meisner <laughs> because it was a beast and that could probably be an episode of its own. But getting through that, especially having had just moved to LA, like there's a million, there's an endless list of things that you need to do when you relocated somewhere. And so having to do that and not have friends and be focused on an acting class, that's something that I still can't believe I got through. And I remember how hard it was, but I'm so proud of that and just making the move to Los Angeles twice now. <laughs> twice. So that is definitely my most proud achievement. Yeah. No, it's hard. I mean, like, for example, for anyone who hasn't taken class in the L.A. or New York market, it's a totally different animal than taking class in smaller markets, I think. Obviously, it varies studio to studio, but how it works in Dallas is, you know, you go to class once a week for three to four hours, and then you don't really do work outside of class except for memorizing your lines, but and whatever preparation you want to put into it, but there's not this mandate that you need to be meeting with your scene partner outside of class. You need to be preparing X amount of hours. And in LA and New York, you go to class twice a week for three to four hours each class. And then you put in just as much time outside of class as you do in class, if not more, if you want to be prepared my first Meisner teacher in New York, I remember he got really upset one time with a pair of students in my class because he could tell that they hadn't rehearsed or done anything really to prepare outside of class. And he said, you don't come to class to practice, you come to class to work. And you take what you learn in class, you practice and rehearse with it outside of class so that you are bringing your next best work the next time you come to class so that you can then get more constructive feedback that then pushes you to the next level. So yeah, it's like a job. Literally. 
imagine juggling a job on top of that. Oof, it's hard. So on the note of class, I know you're seeking representation right now, but for example, a lot of agents and managers sort of require you to be in class if you're not working so much that you can't. Uh, So do you have any classes that you'll be targeting next? Anything you've got your sights on? Studios, skills you're looking to develop or sort of what is your focus shifting to educationally, you know, post-COVID or whenever you have the time and money to be in class again? Where do you think you'll be? Yeah, so I actually just started my first virtual acting class. And it's something I put off since like May because I just wanted things to go back to normal. I wanted to take a normal acting class. And then turns out this is our new normal. So I finally gave in and I joined a pilot season prep. So I'm two weeks into a pilot season prep class right now. Uh, This is actually the first time that I have seen it. I think it's something that the teacher, she created this class specifically for a need. She saw a need and she created the class and she has a lot of credits. So it's kind of her expertise at this moment, but it's with Actors Play LA. It's a new studio. I think they're a little over a year old and it is a woman named Brittany Hall who started in the Atlanta market. She kind of has the journey that I saw or the journey that I would have liked. Um, But she started in Atlanta, kind of dominated the scene there, took those credits in that resume to LA, got an agent there, and now she has her own studio. And so she has been prepping us for pilot season. And essentially what we're doing is submitting self-tapes. We're submitting two self-tapes a week and she's critiquing them. She's helping us on the framing, uh, the lighting. It is, we're doing scene analysis. Um, so she's helping us make choices for the characters. And then we put ourselves on tape. We watch them together as a class and she critiques us. So I've actually enjoyed it. I think for me, I think this was a great class to start with because it isn't super performative. I've been like afraid to act through a camera. Like I cringe when I think of doing a scene with my scene partner through a a laptop. And so since this is a self-tape based class, I think it's like the perfect way for me to get back in the groove of this new, this new world of virtual acting classes. And I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've learned so much in just two weeks. Yeah, that sounds really valuable, especially considering how much of this Zoom stuff will probably linger around after COVID. Absolutely. And so that's what I've been learning. It's crazy <laughs> how many moving pieces there is to be an actor, but you can be a great actor. And if you, were, if you don't know how to move on camera, that's what I've learned. It doesn't even matter. And so it's been great to kind of fine tune and learn how to act and move more importantly on camera. Yeah, it's interesting because like especially with these sort of established schools of acting, like if you're taking Meisner classes or method classes or Stanislavski or Chekhov or whatever it may be, these sort of established schools of acting and all of their associated studios a lot of times, they will just teach you to act by giving you old New York Broadway material or off-Broadway material and plays from established playwrights through the 20th century a lot of times. And they really don't teach you anything about acting on camera. And I'm not sure if that's just because like a lot of those studios, like I said, they do derive from New York and New York schools of acting and the fact that New York is and has been so much more theater based than, you know, film and, and TV the way Los Angeles is. But a lot of times you'll go through these programs 
films and you'll learn how to act in a theater capacity, but you don't really get much training in terms of how it's supposed to translate onto screen. And so people will complete these programs and they may be a great actor, but they don't know how to move their body or how to utilize their frame. And you have to take classes for that because you are expected to know those things when you get on set. Mm-hmm. So in terms of knowing how to apply things and staying sharp, do you have an actor's routine that you follow every week? I know that you said that you're taking a pilot prep class that's having you do self-tapes. That's something I've been trying to work on, making sure I'm taping myself, familiarizing myself with the self-tape process, practicing, even though I'm not auditioning right now because of the pandemic. I just want to be ready when, when things are safe again. So yeah, do you have anything maybe that you're doing outside of that class that you do on a weekly basis or on a daily basis to sort of stay on your toes and stay sharp or hold yourself accountable? Um, and what's the most important facet of this routine if you have one? So since quarantine, my routine has it's been less of a routine. <laughs> it's been more of surviving. So before quarantine, that was definitely something that I would do is print sides, put myself on tape, see how I did. There has been a good bit of monologue challenges on Instagram. And so I've tried to be a part of those um, and definitely just creating like skits, blogging. Those are the things that feed me, you know, that keep me motivated sorry blo- video video blocking but um to answer your question i i do definitely want to get into writing i have been concepting pilot ideas kind of just trying to narrow down a subject to write on out of the four to five that i've been thinking but i haven't yet started writing so i'm excited for that yeah that's really cool um that's something i've been wanting to get into too is writing more writing for myself especially since that can increase your opportunities in terms of getting representation in terms of being offered you know bigger jobs you know just sort of getting up and doing the work and putting in the time to sort of build your resume even when you're not getting work in the traditional methods and yeah just not waiting around for someone to call you in so on the other side of that coin There's the traditional method of seeking representation, getting in the room in the traditional way and, you know, booking co-stars, working your way up to guest stars and then to series regulars and series leads. So let's dig into that a little bit more because you said that you were seeking representation and there are a lot of agents and managers to choose from in L.A. How are you going about this agent and manager search process and what are you doing to sort of vet or weed out who you're not going to submit to because maybe you're not at that level yet or who maybe you should stay clear of? What what has been your process like in determining who to submit to or, yeah, just your approach angle? Yes, absolutely. So Instagram has definitely been my biggest tool for choosing and like narrow down, narrowing down talent agents. Everything is there. It's so good for this. And if you find, because every agency is different, but most of them are really active on social media and they post live time, the bookings, you know, and so that's giving you an actor. It's showing you the type of looks that they represent already. It's showing you how often their actors are booking. And then they always tag that actor. So now I can go to this actor's page and I can figure out what you're doing and what your journey is like and how you got here and how you got that agent. So Instagram is my biggest tool for just like finding the right agency. And as far as submitting goes, I'm in the process of trying everything. Um, I do have a reel. I have a scene, a custom scene that I had done in LA. And so I actually wrote a scene and 
a production company filmed it for me and edited it. I have that with a monologue and a comedic scene that I filmed with a friend. And I've merged those together to kind of create a reel, which is something that teachers of my past have told me you can do. There are people that will tell you it has to be this way because, you know, there's a standard. One of my newer teachers has had to explain to me it's okay to create your reel. They just want to see you. If your performance is good enough, they're not worried about if it's original material or not. So I've been submitting my reel, my resume, and just waiting to hear back. You know, it it gets discouraging because it's not like you get a follow-up email. You know, they don't say thank you for your interest, but we've gone with another candidate. You just don't hear anything and you wonder, did it even reach you? And it'd be nice to have feedback so that you would know what to do differently, if anything. But yeah, I'm in that phase of just sending them out. I did around in November and I'm starting fresh. Same materials. I'm going to add my current class to my resume. I kind of have a new outlook. So I'm hoping that that could bring different results and just submitting, submitting as much as possible. One thing I learned during quarantine from a few Q&As with casting directors and talent agents is that you can approach people on Instagram. You can approach them on social media. So I've also been, you know, DMing and submitting that way. I've been trying to create relationships with certain casting directors and agents on Instagram, you know, just small things like commenting on the photo of their dog, you know, just little genuine moments. And so I feel good about it. You know, I haven't heard anything back, but I feel good. I really believe that by spring, I will have an agent. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're doing a lot um, in terms of putting yourself out there and trying to make yourself known to people in the industry and meeting the right people or attending the right events or online like Q&As and stuff where you can then follow up like, hey, I attended your Q&A. You know, if you ever end up in the room with those casting directors and that that probably lays a brick, you know, in terms of building that relationship. But yeah, Instagram is so useful. And I didn't even realize until quarantine really just how how active the industry is on there. And I'm like, fuck, I should have been on there, you know, doing this earlier. I mean, I've had Instagram, but I wasn't following the casting companies. I wasn't following talent agencies or managers or casting directors. And I think part of that for me was a hesitation to mix like business and personal because I've always sort of viewed social media as a place for me to interact with my friends. And initially it was an early internet that what social media was, but it's just not what it is anymore, especially with how commercialized Instagram has become. I mean, you can have a personal account and like a business account or a professional account, but in terms of not utilizing it, you really can't get away with that too much anymore. And you have to be following, I think, especially in entertainment to get that leg up. So I've sort of shifted my orientation a little bit there. But yeah, just in quarantine, you've seen like how active everybody is and how everybody's doing these Q&As and how everybody sort of trying to find ways to fill the time. And yeah, that you do see these agencies posting their actors, who they're signing, what their actors are booking, the sort of actors they represent. So you can really get a feel for agencies and industry professionals in a way that you couldn't before. So I think that's really important. And anybody that's not utilizing Instagram um, in terms of gaining knowledge about this industry or involving yourself should start today. Also, I just wanted to touch on something else that you said in terms of a reel. You know, I guess the way I've been taught to think about reels or the way that, you know, I I sort of approach them is 
when you put together a reel and you submit it, you're not really demonstrating your talent to the talent agent so much as you're demonstrating to the talent agent that you're submitting to what you can sell to casting because ultimately your reel is for casting. It's for casting to sort of be able to judge the caliber of footage. You know, it's a way for them to see your resume and see, oh, you've got this sort of work under your belt. So that means you're probably qualified for this level. And I think with a reel and why it's so important for agents is because that is one of the key tools that they use to be able to sell you to casting and to be able to get you into the room. And so, of course, they want to see your talent in terms of knowing that you can act before they sign you. But there's other other ways, too, that I think they can see that. And then the reel is more about showing sort of the product that you offer and how you're going to come across to casting, if that makes sense. Okay, that's really good to know. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, on that note, like getting in the room, what about like prior to COVID? Um, I'm sure you were getting more auditions back then. Was there anything you were doing to sort of track your performance stats and see, you know, keep track of your professional progress? Did you use like a, like an official tool to track your booking stats? Did you keep a spreadsheet? Did you just keep a general idea in your head? Or what have you sort of done to analyze or assess your progress and how what you're doing is working for you? Yes. So I am a bullet journaler. I don't know if you're familiar with bullet journaling. It goes deep. It goes deep. So I won't get into it. But it's it's essentially a book of lists, if that makes sense. Lists and trackers. And so I've created one for my auditions where kind of like a spreadsheet, I'll write the date, the audition, and if I booked it or not. Unfortunately, I haven't had as many auditions as I would love this year. Um, COVID obviously won, but also just my focus has been shot from all the things that have gone on this year. And so I took kind of an involuntary break, you know, just like I said, kind of going into survival mode and trying to to push through each day. But yes, before I was, when I was self-submitting, using like Actors Access and all the sites that we mentioned earlier, I would actually get quite a few auditions. How many did I book? Probably, I would say two. I've booked two of those auditions, which is still great. You know, that's an achievement. It's better than nothing. But yeah, this is why I would love to have an agent to get me more auditions, you know, or get you the kind of auditions that you want and that you can actually really be paid for because I'm sure you didn't come to LA with the goal of being a career student film actress. Right. Mm -hmm. And some things you just don't have access to. In terms of getting those auditions. So obviously, it's incredibly important, both in terms of submitting yourself to talent agents or being pitched to casting. It's important to know your brand and your typecasts and know what roles you're right for. So in that regard, do you have an idea of what shows you think you're right for? Any characters you think that you are cut out to play? Or do you still have some self-reflection to do in terms of pinning that down? What do you what do you think your bread and butter roles are? I would love to do anything involving Shonda Rhimes. I think my typecast would be 
like the bubbly, kind of very similar to Joan, Joan Clayton and Girlfriends, but maybe like the awkward black girl, bubbly personality, quirky. My second one goes kind of opposite end of the spectrum, but I can see me playing a professional. You have a good detective look, or I could see you as a journalist or a reporter or office businesswoman type roles. Yes, yes. I can see me doing all of those jobs and maybe being more of a bitch, (laughs) a bitch in those roles. Um, But I think those are definitely my typecasts. Stone cold professional bitch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. What are some things that you wish you had known earlier or done differently? Let's see. So many things. If I could pick out one. If I could have done things differently, I would have, I guess, just done more research as far as what style of classes are out there. When I graduated high school, I was set to go to a university. Um, Well, I did go to a university and I dropped out. I wanted to go for my Bachelor of Fine Arts and I ended up missing the audition because I was 18 and... (laughs) Because I was 18. And so after missing that audition, you know, my mom was like, we still have to go to college. So I went and kind of just chose something. But one thing I wish I knew is that there are classes outside of a university. For whatever reason, I just I was just ignorant to that fact. I thought if you're not getting a BFA, the only other thing would be like improv classes or, you know, a smaller studio. And I didn't think that that was enough. And so if I could have done things differently, I would have researched or maybe found a mentor that could have told me about these conservatories or all the other styles of classes where you can really get a good workout, you know? Yeah. No, I would have taken a Meisner class like six years ago if I had known. (laughs) I know. And instead, I spent a ton of money on classes that didn't help me get anywhere. Yeah, it's so tough. And looking back, if I did, let's say we took our Meisner class, you know, like right out of high school, I could and would have been so much further along. Yeah, it's hard not to think like that sometimes. And, you know, thinking of certain classes as a waste of time and money is frustrating. I mean, I don't think any experience is truly a waste because now I know what classes not to go to and I can tell other people not to go to those classes. But it is frustrating to think of time that I could have saved if I had known a little bit better. Yep. And one thing that I wish I knew is that you can't compare your journey, you know, and that's something that, again, I'm still learning, but you just can't compare. It all happens on its own timing, on your timing, you know, and can't get caught up in comparing. So it's something I wish I knew and still trying to learn. So I know you mentioned using Instagram in this capacity earlier, but You know, now that you've sort of had the experience of taking some good classes and taking some bad classes, is there anything else that you do to sort of vet which classes you should be taking or understanding what's worth your money or knowing sort of where where to spend your time and money when we do have limited resources to invest a lot of us? And um, yeah, just making sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck. Absolutely. Um, Research all comes down to research. And I actually have not, most of the classes I've been in recently were by referral, you know, like another actor referred it to me. So I think that's definitely a good tool to use. And moving forward, I think that's, I don't know if I would branch out moving forward into classes that haven't already been referred to me by someone else, just because why not? We have these networks, we should use them, you know, that's the point. And so if you're telling me that you got A, B, and C from this class, why should I seek a totally different teacher? Why not see what that's about instead? Yeah, it's all about finding people you trust and people whose opinions and tastes you respect. Absolutely. Can you think of a time when you've been taken advantage of in this industry? Right. 
the only thing that comes to mind, and I, I don't even know, this was kind of me doing, being somewhere that I had no business ever being, but there was a Craigslist opportunity when I was younger and it was for a photo shoot and he pitched it as if he had a studio. Oh God. Yeah, I know. These photos were going to help you, were going to be, well, they're supposed to be headshot style photos. And when I got there, it was a motel. No. It was within his room. No. And because I was so young, I didn't have my voice. And so I didn't feel comfortable. Like nowadays I would run the other day. You know, I would have no problem saying, oh, no, no. But at the time I didn't have my voice. And so I didn't feel comfortable leaving or saying no. And so I kind of just sat through that session. And it was more of like a boudoir style shoot. This is like the classic horror story. I know. So it was very uncomfortable. And that was a moment where I was like, yeah, I was definitely taken advantage of because he knew that I wasn't comfortable and he didn't give me an out. But other than that, I can't say. So that is a really good thing. I get it, though. I mean, people may think, how did you not see the red flags? But when you're young and you're first starting out and you don't know the ropes and you're not confident and you really, really want this and you think, oh, I'll do whatever it takes, you run into situations like that and... I've been on sets where things happened that I wasn't comfortable with. And in retrospect, I I should have been like, no, absolutely not. I'm going to get the fuck out of here because these people aren't respecting me as a person or a professional. But it's hard to have that perspective when you haven't been through it yourself or you haven't sort of experienced it secondhand or learned what to be wary of. So and there are people out there who know that and they prey on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you live and you learn. One more reason to join the union, right? (laughs) On the flip side of that, is there a time that you can think of that like luck really contributed to your success? You know, you just happened to be in the right place at the right time and something good came out of it? Yes, actually. I don't know if this one is right place, right time, but more so like knowing the right people. Um, But a friend of mine referred me to a pretty large, I'm not going to say his name, but a pretty well-known actor. He's a childhood actor and he was looking for an assistant and she referred me to be that assistant. And he actually acts on a show that I dream of writing for. And so that was a moment and it actually took me a while to realize that that was the start of a long-term relationship or could have been at least. Um, I kind of was just I needed a job, (laughs) so I was excited to be making money. But later down the road, I realized I'm creating a network, you know, like this is someone that I now know. And later down the road, who knows what that'll lead to. But I definitely felt extremely lucky. The only reason she herself didn't take the job is because she didn't have a car. And so, you know, it was a very casual thing. She was just like, hey, I know this person. He's an assistant. Let me know if you're interested. And when I got more details, I was just so happy that I did show interest because it was perfect. So I felt really lucky. Yeah, that's like the biggest benefit, in my opinion, of living someplace like L.A. or a production center is you're surrounded by people that are in your industry doing the same thing as you, having the same interests. And it's a lot easier to make friends and build your network and grow um, your opportunities, I think, when you're constantly bumping elbows with the type of people that you want to work with. Yeah, I can definitely agree. Even in Atlanta, which is a huge scene, it's still just so much easier. In LA, like my coworkers, you know, would be actors. Everywhere you go, someone's in the industry doing something. So Yeah, I mean, that's something I've experienced with like my serving jobs and bartending jobs is you just meet so many people that are your coworkers and your friends that are also pursuing creative interests. And 
it's probably my favorite thing about LA is just how much the creative industries here sort of pervade everyday life. So moving on um, and sort of wrapping things up, you mentioned Shonda Rhimes earlier. Who, aside from her, would be sort of a dream come true for you to work with or dream jobs? I would love to act alongside Viola Davis. I don't know if I'd even make it through the scene. I'd probably (laughs) die and go to heaven. But uh, that would just be an absolute dream. And she has a new project coming out on on Netflix Friday. Oh, shoot. Today's Friday. Yes. (laughs) Yes, today. I'm so excited. I mean, the list goes on. Someone that a newer, maybe take it a different direction. I would love to work with Yara Shahidi. She's new on the scene, but killing it. I love all the outreach. I love what she does outside of acting and who she is as a person. And she just has this beautiful aura about her. But to be on set with her and in her presence, I think would be really cool. Who else? Um, He might not be, he's not necessarily a name actor, but someone that I've watched grow and that I admire so much. His name is Patrick Walker. He does have a good bit of credits. I do want you to research him and I'm going to shoot his uh, Instagram profile over to you. Um, He has a good, he's been on The Resident. He's been on Grey's Anatomy. He's done a few feature films as well, but I watched him start from a filmmaker, you know, just creating his own content like we spoke about. And casting himself and his friends in his own projects, going from that to being on NBC. Uh, he also, he was in Red Band Society. He just, I mean, the list goes on and seeing him also move from Atlanta to LA, similar to my acting teacher that I was telling you about. I just, I admire him so much. And so it would be great to work with Patrick because we come from the same place. Any upcoming productions you're excited about? Yes, I've been desperately waiting for Handmaid's Tale to return. What are my other shows? They're all on hold right now. Um, I'm excited to watch. I have not yet seen the newest episode of Euphoria. So my acting teacher actually gave, it's our homework to watch this newest episode because apparently the acting in it is on another level. And so many actors told me the same thing before she said it. So now I'm like, okay, I have to see what this is about. Zendaya blows my mind. She's amazing. <laughs> How do you do it? And starting as a Disney, a Disney star, yeah. I just love it. <laughs> the places she's gone from where she started, it's so beautiful. Yeah. So I guess this is about time. We've been going for a while here. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Any last advice you'd like to throw their way or anything else you'd like to share or mention before we go? I do. I want to leave in saying. So I myself had a moment recently of, you know, being feeling discouraged and wondering if LA is the right for me at the moment, wondering even if acting is right at the moment. And what I want to say, I want everyone to know that you will have those moments where you doubt and where you want to give up. And it's okay. (laughs) It's okay, because I got so down on myself for even having the thought. And I think what's important is just being able to Find motivation again and pull yourself out of that space, which I have had to do more than once this week. And so I want to part in saying, just stay motivated. You're going to want to give up. Don't compare your journey to others and just stay on the path and it'll work out on your timing the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And also it's okay to give it up. (laughs) Um, I mean, acting's not for everybody. It's a It's a huge effort to even begin to be a working professional in this industry. And um, I don't think there's any shame in realizing it's not for you. And it's perfectly okay to go do something else. I mean, there are plenty of other really cool 
entertainment industry adjacent jobs and other other fulfilling paths of life. So no shame in thinking that maybe the cost has reached a point where it outweighs the benefits and time to move on to something new. Absolutely. But yeah, it's a good thing to bring up and good thing for you to mention, I think. And I think everybody goes through those periods because there just is so much uncertainty, even for big name, consistently working actors, you know, Um, there's no guarantee that next year is going to be good. So I think everybody, regardless of what level they're at, sort of uh, hits that mindset sometimes. Absolutely. Just always do what's best for you, of course. Yeah. So did you want to plug your socials or uh, any projects you're working on? Anything you'd like to direct people to? Yes, please, everyone, follow me on Instagram. My handle is at C.C. Simone. It's C-I-C-I-S-Y-M-O-N-N-E. Give me a follow. I will definitely follow back. Let me know what you thought about this and feel free to ask me any questions. Well, thank you so much for coming on and for being my first guest and for trusting me with this podcast because I know you didn't have anything to uh, refer back to. So thank you again for coming on and sharing your insights. I really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, um, it was great catching up with you, Cece. No, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's really an honor to be your first guest. So (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah, hopefully you'll see some uh, other familiar faces on future episodes. In the meantime, everyone else can follow the show at So You Want to Be an Actor Pod on Instagram. You can DM me there for inquiries if you're interested in guesting. You can also reach out at So You Want to Be an Actor Pod at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on my personal account at ern.mddn on Instagram. Also, if you're interested, you can check out my other podcast called Meta Machina. That's at M-E-T-A-M-A-S-H-I-N-A. I host it with two other folks and we talk about tropes, archetypes, media from an intersectional feminist perspective, general sort of narrative analysis. So if that's your cup of tea, feel free to give us a follow either on Instagram, Twitter, um, or you can check out our website, metamachina.com. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you again one more time, Cece, and we'll catch you next time. We did it. You did it.